0: All right. Uh, Usually what we do here to send is we work through a book of the Bible uh, and I just open it up and I preach what God has for us the next week. So we've been in uh, Nehemiah coming into this last year. We took a break uh, because at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, I usually do kind of special series. I don't want to do that throughout the whole year because then I'll just preach whatever makes me mad on the news. And uh, then you don't get a full, you know, whatever God wants us to hear. So I try to discipline myself to the word of God. But each January, I take a few weeks to challenge us. You hear the word challenge a lot. Uh, There's uh, several different challenges that I issue. Today, I want to talk about three of them. And I want to talk about why I issue challenges to us at all. And uh, if you're here today, my goal, and that's all of you if you're here today, uh, my goal for you is that you would pick at least one of these challenges, that you would say, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to climb this mountain. And uh, some of you are overachievers. You haven't really been doing very much at all, but yet you're like, you know what, I'm going to do all three challenges. I'm going to tell you, don't do that. You'll be like me when I go to the gym. I try to lift too much all at once, and then I don't go back for six months. It's a cycle that I'm stuck in. So don't do that. Just pick one of these challenges, unless you, you've challenged yourself on some of these and you're like, Blake, I'm good. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Well then, yeah, pick up the next challenge. One of the things I want us all to at least attempt is something that you should have gotten when you came in, which is the Bible reading challenge. That's the third one I'm going to talk about at the end. But first, as I always do, let me pray and then we'll jump in. Oh, by the way, today, I don't know where my wife is, but it's kind of like an anniversary for us. We started dating eight years ago today, uh, which is, yeah, you can clap for that for Taylor. I just It's like almost a decade she spent with me. It's pretty amazing. There is a God, if you're wondering. That has nothing to do with what I'm saying. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of these people uh, who are setting before me. God, thank you, Lord, that they came to hear your word today. God, I don't believe it's an accident that anybody is here. I think you knew when they would be here. You knew what I would be preaching on. You knew the challenges that would be issued. And God, my prayer is, is that you would meet them where they are. Lord, that you would help somebody take one step closer to Christ's likeness. Uh, God, we, we can't fix ourselves overnight. But Lord, through your power and through obedience over the long term in the right direction, we can be amazed at who you make us into. And God, I pray that. I pray for the people listening to me today that the spirit of God would work in them and convict them and lead them to Christ's likeness. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. I uh, attended a couple spelling bees over the past month. We had some Ascent kids that were in spelling bees. Uh, My cousin Royce was in one. I went and watched uh, Evie Good and uh, Colby Miller all in a spelling bee. And uh, I don't know where spelling bees were when I was a kid, but they're actually really cool. I was like, man, I would have loved this. Because I found myself getting really competitive at these spelling bees. Uh, first off, I can't spell. So I was already jealous of these kids that they could spell. I'd have been out in like round three uh, of each of these spelling bees. But especially uh, when I was watching Colby uh, do it, because he got second place. He almost won. It was like a heavyweight, heavyweight fight. These two kids were going back and forth. It was like 17 rounds. And you're on the edge of your seat wondering who's going to spell the word wrong. And uh, unfortunately, it was Colby. He got second. But it did something in my soul. Because when they... they Rang the bell to say that he was wrong. First off, I spelled the word wrong also. So I thought the judge was wrong because I spelled it the same way that Colby spelled it. And I almost jumped out of my seat and yelled at the judge like it was a basketball game. But then I thought, this probably isn't very good spelling bee etiquette. You know, I don't know if you're supposed to cheer for people like, yeah, you spelled it right. Or, you know, yell at the judge, Uh, which I was really glad that I didn't because I spelled it wrong. So I would look pretty dumb. Uh, But I was like, why am I getting so excited about spelling words? You know, like this is. I, I normally, when you think about spelling a word, it's not really all that exciting. Kids don't get that excited about learning how to spell. So whoever came up with the spelling bee was a genius because it makes you competitive about something. It gives you a challenge to seek after something that's good for you, but maybe you wouldn't do it on your own. And uh, I know that I need to pray for my own heart. I'm not telling you you should yell at spelling bees. Uh, I'm really nervous for when my daughter gets to the age where she plays sports because I'm afraid I'm going to be that dad. Uh, I'm already that way for like people who aren't my kids. So. Like I told Taylor, we might have to have her in a school that's like 50 miles away from here so that when I'm at her basketball games, people don't go, hey, aren't you the pastor of that church? (laughs) Because that's just that's what's going to happen. But what it does bring up, I think is true for all of us, is that challenges and goals are good things for us to have because they force us. If we're challenging ourselves and not using it to compare with other people, they force us to grow in areas we normally would not grow. Uh, humans are made that way. God made us that way. That's why there's big buildings. Why? Well, because somebody had a goal. Somebody wanted to do something, and so we built a big building. That's what humans do. We we are constantly challenging ourselves and coming up to those challenges. And so that's why we have these three challenges. It's not just because... I'm a competitive person, which I am. Uh, it's because I want you to challenge yourself. So here's the, the first challenge. It's one you probably heard me say a lot. I start saying it in December, and then I keep all the way through January. And that's the one-year challenge. I always challenge people at Christmas Eve to give us one year here at Ascent, to go all in with us. Uh, now, if your life is great, everything's going good, uh, You know, everything is the way you want it to go, you're spiritually, you know, you're on top of the world, and everything is just falling into place, this challenge isn't really for you. But here's what I know. If you're anything like me, a lot of the times the things that I'm doing in my own life lead to destruction. Like King Blake is a bad king over my life. And so when I'm doing things the way I want to do them, spending money the way I want to spend them, spending my free time the way I want to spend my free time, what often happens is it's fun for a while until I leave myself into a ditch. And I keep crashing into the ditch. And one of the things that helps me stay on the straight path is what God has given me, and that is the church. It's not the building. That's not even this event. It's the people of God. And when I'm walking with the people of God consistently, I have accountability, and I have other people with me that are forming me into the way of Christ likeness. And that's what the one year challenge is all about. If you came 12 years, or 12 years, if you came 12 times last year to ascent, this challenge is simply: Would you plug in and come 42 times on the Lord's day? Would you be part of the the family meal and partake in the communion elements that God has given us? As we remember the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus. We do that once a month at our family meal, second Sunday of each month. You know, would you plug into a small group? Uh, Next week, we'll we'll start signups for small group leaders and small groups. You know, would you you come with me if you're a man and study the Bible for a year? I mean, just go all in. Say, Blake, I'm going to do all that I can. I'm going to make church and, and not just the event, but the people of God a priority this year. And my whole challenge to you is if you do that for one year, I promise you will not regret it. And if you do regret it, guess what? You can always go back to the way you did life before. Life the way you did it before will still be there. But I have never, and I mean never, had anybody who's taken this challenge seriously regret doing so. Every single one of them have said this was a transformative, life-changing thing. So that's the one-year challenge. If that's your challenge, you can zone out, fall asleep for the rest of the sermon. Uh, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I'll cry. Number two is the Team 60 Challenge, which you also should have in front of you in your Bible somewhere. It looks like this. It's a, kind of a big card. And this is our, uh, our attempt at getting you to uh, work towards the discipline of tithing. Uh, tithing is giving the first 10%. Uh, of your income to God. And when I start talking about money, everybody shuts down. And that's team 60 is to prevent you from shutting down. I don't talk about money very much. If you come to Ascent all year, you know that if you only come in January and September, you probably think I talk about money all the time because I picked those two months to talk about it. But uh, the, the whole goal of team 60 is to take the pressure off of you and to see that what God wants for you when he asks you to give is something for you, not something from you. And so what we say is if you give $60 a week, and if you can't give $60 a week, talk to me, uh, that's fine. That's just what the average American spends on eating out. So I figure if you can give McDonald's this much, surely you can give that much to God. But uh, if you do it consistently for three months, and at the end of it, you're like, man, I I wish I wouldn't have done that. You lied to me. Uh, God took more from me than than it was for me. It did nothing for my faith. I'll give you every penny of it back, every single penny, because that's really how much I believe in the Team 60 Challenge. And my goal is that you would begin taking progress steps towards the discipline of tithing. And really what I really want is that you would take steps towards being a generous person. Uh, Taylor and I, we try to challenge ourselves every year to give a little bit more. Uh, Some years it might just be a dollar more a month. Other years, like this year, Taylor got a job. She graduated school, so she's going to start making money, which we feel really rich. We're like, what do we do with all this money? Well, we're going to raise our our giving to the church because our tithe has now changed. And we want to just keep raising that and challenging and pushing ourselves because we think it's good for our soul to remind ourselves that money and things are not our God. God is our God. And it's so important that you understand God's heart behind giving. Uh, I was thinking about this a lot this week because I started doing my taxes. Uh, so pray for me. Logged on to TurboTax. It's the worst time of year, isn't it? Uh, I've got to give the IRS money. And they, I mean, why do they even need money from me? I don't know. Uh, they waste it anyways. They pretend like it does this is a rant that doesn't matter. So anyways, I was paying my taxes and, uh, and I was thinking about the way that the, the government gets money from us. And this is an option that God could use. And it's the hammer You know, the IRS does not say, would you pretty please give us money? No, they say, give us your money. And if you don't, we're going to come after you and put you in prison. And so guess what all of us do, whether you're Republican or whether you're Democrat, whether you like the president or you don't like the president, you give your money. You give what you are supposed to give. You know why? Because there's a big hammer that will come down on you if you do not give that money. Now, could God do that? Absolutely, God could do that. God is the ruler of the universe. And in fact, in the Old Testament, there was a hammer. There was a punishment that came down if you did not give. Giving in the Jewish mindset, especially around Jesus' time, it wasn't like they talked about tithing as if the pastor said, you should tithe, it's good for you. No, it was was assumed. Because if you didn't, there was curses that came your way. There was a hammer that would drop if you did not give the way you were supposed to give. Jesus doesn't lead us with the hammer, though. He is the king of the universe, but he doesn't do that. Jesus, in fact, comes to take the hammer. But on the cross of Calvary, what Jesus is doing is he's paying for your sins. Uh, Malachi 3 says, we've robbed from God when we do not, receive, we not return the tithe to him. And you know what Jesus did? He said, I'm going to take the place of Blake Farley, who's robbed from God, and I'm going to take the hammer so he doesn't have to. He gives me grace so that I do not believe as a Christian under the covenant of Jesus Christ that if you tithe or don't tithe, you will be more blessed than anybody else. Now, there are some benefits and some spiritual blessings that come with it. I think it's good for you. But I don't believe that God's going to curse you and make your life fall apart if you don't tithe. I don't believe that the reason you're sick is because you don't tithe. These are things that I hear all the time. And it's just like, no, the hammer has already been taken by Jesus Christ for us. But Jesus also doesn't do what charities do. You know, if the government uses a hammer, you know what a charity does? They use tears. That's why they put the sad little kids. Christmas is the worst. I can't even watch commercials because they got these sad little dogs. You know, they're like, here's the homeless dogs, and they're going to be killed if you don't give $23 right now. And in reality, that dog's probably already dead. You know, they probably filmed that dog like three years ago. But it does something to my heart. And as a pastor... Hey, I could do that too. In fact, this is one of the more effective ways. I could plead with you. I could say, look at all the good we could do. You know, I could say, hey, th- there are children in Uganda who are starving. So please give the church some money. But Jesus doesn't want us to be beggars either. You know, he's the king of the universe. He doesn't beg. He's not, he's not going to ask you for anything. In Acts, it says, I am God. If I was hungry, do you think I would tell you? No, I own it all. I, I don't need anything from human hands. He, he doesn't beg. And he also doesn't bring the hammer. What does he do? Well, in Zechariah 4, we get a prophecy of Jesus, and it says this. It says, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. What Jesus Christ does is he gives you his Spirit. If you are a Christian, the Spirit of God lives within you. And that means that if you are a Christian, born again, you know what's inside of you already? Is you desire to be generous. Why do you desire to be generous? Because the Spirit of God is in you, and God is generous. I believe that you want to be generous. I just truly believe that. Now, some of you can't be generous because of things going on in your life. I heard a story uh, about a, a woman who uh, heard a sermon by a guest preacher who was telling her that... Uh, basically, he stood up and he said, if you're not tithing, you're not loyal to Jesus. So uh, it's as simple as that. You're not even really a Christian if you don't tithe, which is a terrible way to preach giving. Uh, and after the sermon, she was out in the, uh, the hallway crying, and the pastor was actually the, the pastor there... Uh, went up and talked to her and she was crying and he said, you know, what's wrong? She said, well, I can't be loyal to Jesus. This was a single mom working three jobs to make ends meet. And he said, no, the reason why the rest of us tithe is so that we can support you. That is supposed to be the heart behind tithing. It's not trying to crush you. No, it's, I want to help you uh, get work that muscle of generosity that I know is already in you. And Team 60 is a way to start that. So that's the challenge there. That I want you guys to challenge yourself to make an effort to be more generous this year. If you gave $1, can you give $10? If you're already tithing, can you push it a little further? Put more faith in Jesus. If you're not tithing, would Team 60 be something that you could step into and say, I want to obey Jesus. I want to worship Jesus with my money. If that's you, you can fill out this card uh, and you put it in the offering drop box at the back. After we put it in the computer, we shred it so your information is not there. If you feel more comfortable signing up, online, you can do so at ascentchurch.org. Uh, or if you want to give with checks, you can do so. Now, if you want the money back, you can't give it in cash because I can't track it that way. But if you, if you want to take the challenge and in three months ask for your money back, you've got to do it either with check or by filling out one of these, uh, put in the off drop, offering drop box at the back. Okay, that was number two. So number one was the one-year challenge. And number three is the Bible reading challenge. And this is the one I'm really excited about. We've never done it here at Ascent. Uh, I, well, we did do it, actually, one time. Our very first year, I wanted to read through the whole Bible with the whole church, so I was a dummy, and uh, I recorded the whole Bible. There's an audiobook version of me reading the Bible out there. 100 hours. I mean, I spent so much time, and I got all the podcasting gear, and then I accidentally deleted a couple of Bible reading uh, deals that I had already done, and I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to admit Uh, that there were some curse words that would be said right after I would read a a Bible passage and then accidentally delete it. Uh, Confessions, good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. Uh, I could see your guys' judgment from here. But I read the whole Bible. And then uh, Tyndale, who publishes the Bible, it was actually really cool. It lasted for a little bit and it got like 20,000 downloads all over the world. I don't know if any of our people actually listened, but all over the world people were listening. And then uh, Tyndale, who publishes the Bible, uh, said, hey, you've got to take that down because it's against our copyright. To which I was like, what? You can't copyright the Bible. That's God's word. But then I took it down because they have a big hammer. And they said they were going to sue me. I didn't want to be sued. Uh, So I took that down. But this year, I'm I'm way more wise. I know I'm not breaking any laws. Uh, And we're going to read it together. You're going to read it on your own. And you'll notice uh, on here that at the three-month mark, May 7th, you get a prize. Why? Because prizes are fun. Uh, we use it to, get, to bribe kids to do things. I think we ought to use it to bribe adults to do things also. It, it gives you a goal. It gives you something to aim at. At the three-month mark, if you've crossed off all the readings, uh, then you get a pin. We'll get you up here. We'll say, look at these people. They're more godly than you. You should be more like these people. I'm just kidding. We won't say that. But, but we'll bring you up, and we'll, and we'll give you a pin, and we'll say, good job, and we'll invite everybody else to read. And then at the six-month mark, you get a free shirt. And then at the nine-month mark, which this is a nine-month plan, so at the end of it, uh, you get a custom leather Bible with your name on it. Uh, this seems like a great idea at the time. And then I thought, what if these people actually listen to me and I have to give like 100 custom Bibles? Uh, so then I prayed, God, please bring money if that's what happens. Because I want you guys all to read it. I do, I really do. And then I'm so generous with you at the 12-month mark. It's a nine-month plan. And you ask, Blake, why is it a nine-month plan? This is a trick I learned early on in my Bible reading. I do six-month or nine-month plans. And then I try to get them done in a year because it gives me six months of being lazy or three months of being lazy. I need a lot of makeup days. And so I've given you a lot of makeup days. If you don't make it by the nine month mark, you can make it by the 12 month mark and you get a custom leather Bible as well. That's February 4th, 2023. So I want you guys to participate with me on this. Uh, Each month, just some other things about it. Each month has 20 readings, which gives you 10 makeup days uh, per month. Uh, This is really not hard Uh, and it's it's divided up in a way that I tried to make it not you know like one of the the first way I read the Bible that was the wrong way to do is I just started in Genesis and I read through that kills you because you're in Chronicles and then after Chronicles you go into the prophets and Jeremiah is depressing. Jeremiah is the, kind of, is the kind of movie I hate to watch. It's the movie where you cry the whole time. There's no happy ending. And by the end of it, you're like, I quit reading the Bible. So what I do is I divide it up so that when you read Jeremiah, you also have a gospel to read with it or you have a psalm to read with it. So you're depressed. But then at the end, you read something happy and you go throughout your day not feeling depressed. It keeps you going. Uh, another thing about this is you'll notice there's not dates. Most Bible plans have dates. Like you're supposed to read this January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd, January 4th. I can't do that. Uh, because of the competitive nature in me, if I get behind a day, I can't just jump in. I hate seeing the little red mark that tells me how many days I'm behind in my Bible reading plan. It just makes me mad. And somebody will say, you know, Blake, just you know, keep reading the Bible. Don't worry about the things you haven't checked off. Ha, I cannot do that. So for my sake, and really I think it's for everybody's sake, is I don't put dates on there so you don't feel depressed. You just got to get 20 readings done uh, throughout the month. Now, some months you might be like a mouse eating a little bit at a time. Other months you got to be like a python eating a whole animal at once. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, that's what I do. A lot of times I'll, if I'm feeling really good, I'll, you know, binge on the Bible. And then there will be some weeks where I'm not able to do it. Just get 20 done a month. That's all that matters. Uh, Also on this list is you'll notice that there are some that say skim slash quick pace. This is like probably my number one tip for people trying to read the Bible through the whole year. If if it's your goal to read the entire Bible, then what I would tell you to do is do not try to get everything out of the Bible. A lot of people, they try to read the Bible and they're in Genesis one and they got their little journal and they're coloring over here and they're putting all their their insights from it. And they think it's got to be this hour long thing. It does not. Get your eyes on the words. Keep going. I want this to be a lifetime habit for you, so you're going to be back. Now, there is time to meditate on the scripture of God, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about getting acquainted with the story of God as a whole. So when you see skim quick, I mean, you go skim and you go quick. You The headings and Bibles are very helpful because uh, you can kind of see what's going on and then you're just looking. When you get to Chronicles, you're going to thank me for this because you can't even pronounce the names anyways. Don't try to do a family devotion where you're talking about this person begat that person and this person begat that person. It's just it's just not going to go well so just read over it skim over it go at a quick pace uh, the bible is compared to us as food and sometimes you're at the steakhouse but usually it's just mom's casserole now there's nothing wrong with mom's casserole but it just gives you enough to go through the next day you know you're not like yes this is the greatest meal of my life you have a few greatest meals of your life you get to psalm 23 slow down that's it that's a great meal you're at the steakhouse but Psalm 20, Psalm 21, Genesis, you know, seven. A lot of these other chapters are just like, okay, I showed up and I ate the meal. That's what you got to do. It is a well-known fact that I hate carrots. I I think carrots are from Satan. But occasionally, my wife will put carrots on my plate, and you know what I do? I'm a grown man, so I eat the carrots. I have to swallow it like a pill. I just go, ah, ah, and put it down, but I put it down because it's before me. Chronicles chapter one through seven is a carrot. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you're expecting this mountain-high experience every time you read the Bible, you're going to be let down. So we get to those places, what are we going to do? We're going to skim, and we're going to go quick, and we're going to get checked off. And if you're stuck in one of these books and you hate it, go to the bottom. You don't have to check them off in order. You can check them off in whatever order you want. Just get the months checked off. Now, why is this so important? Well, I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And that is very true. Uh, In fact, LifeWay did a study that backed this up. They surveyed Christians, uh, so people who go to church, I think it was at least once a month. And uh, they asked them about their Bible reading habits and they compared it, uh, these two groups of people. And the people who read their Bible at least four days a week had dramatically different results from the Christians who did not. Uh, Some of the things they found was that the feeling of loneliness drops 30% between the two groups if you read the Bible. There's 32% less anger issues. Uh, Bitterness in relationship dropped 40% for those who read the Bible at least four times a week. Uh, You were 57% less likely to struggle with alcohol. Uh, You're 60% less likely to feel spiritually stagnant. And on the positive side, sharing your faith jumps 200% and discipling others jumps 230%. It's just simply, all they asked him was, do you read the Bible? It wasn't, do you study the Bible? It wasn't even uh, about how many days they went to church, didn't go to church. It was, do you read the Bible four days a week? There's a whole bunch of stats. I just picked a few of them out of there. Reading the Bible can change your life. When Spurgeon says that your life is better, when you're reading the Bible, he's not making that up. And do you know why? Because there is no book like the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 tells me it is like a double-edged sword. Do you know where swords are no good? Swords are no good if you do not use them. If it's just sitting in your gun safe or whatever, the sword's not going to help you when the intruder comes. You've got to actually use the sword. The Bible is a sword. You have it, so you have to use it. And the way you use it is by reading it and getting it into your mind and then into your heart so that it can come out in your life. It is so important. Uh, It's 183 readings total. That's what this plan is. That's it, 183, five days a week, Monday through Friday. You can absolutely do it. Uh, I like this quote from Woodrow Kroll. I like it because it convicts me. Uh, He says, I remind you that God wrote a book. He only wrote one. I wonder what we'll say to him at the judgment seat of Christ if he asks us, did you read my book? I mean, one time in your entire life, did you read my whole book? We believe as Christians that God wrote a book, that he spoke to us, and yet some of us will not read it even once in our entire life. How sad is that? Uh, 93% of Americans, this is nuts, 93% of Americans own a Bible which is crazy by itself. The Bible outsells, you know, New York Times does their best-selling books every year, uh, and they don't put the Bible on there, but it's literally number one every year. They don't put it on there because they hate God and because it'd be boring, because the Bible literally wins and by a lot every single year. Since the printing press, I mean, that's just mind-blowing. The printing press came out in the 1500s. There has never, ever even once been a year where the Bible wasn't the best-selling book. That is crazy. Why? Because this book is unlike any other book. It is powerful and you need it in your life. And if you're a Christian, if you say you believe in this God, why would you not read it? Amen. I know you've got at least three in your house somewhere. At least most of us do. And If you don't, the Bible in front of you is yours. I want you to have that Bible. But most of us have it. And if you don't have a Bible in your home, you have it on your phone. And if you don't have it on your phone, you ought to download the app. That's one of the ways I love to actually listen to the Bible is I have it read to me. Uh, reading and, and, and uh, listening are the same thing. Don't Trip yourself out on that. Uh, Johnny Cash reads the, the King James version of the Bible. That, that's probably one of the greatest recordings of all time. That, I mean, how can you not love the Bible when Johnny Cash is reading it to you? That was not in my notes, but that is a, that is a great version of the Bible. But at the end of your life, when, when you're standing there, you want to be able to say you read the entire Bible at least once. And I pray multiple times. You say, Blake, I don't have time. Okay, how many Netflix series have you watched? Uh, you have 168 hours in the week. We all have 168 hours in the week. If if you were to work 60 hours a week, if you were to sleep, you know, we give you another like five hours a day to do whatever you want, eight hours of sleep a day, you still have 30 hours left over in the week. 30 hours. And you're telling me you can't take 15 minutes to read a little section of the Bible each day? You say, is the pastor guilting us into this right now? Yes, I am. (laughs) I'm using guilt. Because you ought to want to read the Bible. And you can do it. I'm here with you. We're going to do this together. We have accountability with one another. And that's why we're doing it. Now, as I close uh, here, the last thing I want to talk about is that we have to beware of what challenges can do to our heart. Whether we fail or we succeed. And I do not want this to happen. If you get caught up in the fact uh, that it is a challenge and you say, I want that custom Bible, and I want everybody to know I'm more godly than them, you're going to be in a bad place. My goal is not to puff you up. I remember when I was a kid, we did Awanas. Every Wednesday night, we went and memorized verses. And if you memorized verses, you got a patch. And uh, it was pretty cool, I'm not going to lie, when you're the kid with the most patches. And uh, really, we weren't even interested in memorizing Bible verses at some point. It, It was all about winning the challenge. That was it. And we didn't even think about the Bible. And a lot of those verses that I memorized to get those patches... I, I don't even remember them anymore. But why? Well, because I was concerned about the challenge. This is not about you winning some challenge. I'm concerned with you challenging yourself and growing in Christ's likeness, striving ahead. And my prayer is, is that it would get you excited about the Bible in a way that maybe you haven't been before. It gets you excited about the way I was excited about Quiz Bowl when I was a kid. Uh, that's the only thing I did at, like, club-wise where it was anything like a spelling bee. I did Quiz Bowl. We would go and they'd ask random questions and you buzzed in. I buzzed in every time. I knew I wasn't the smartest kid, but I knew the odds of percentages. Like if I got 20% of the answers right and I buzzed 100 times, I'd be pretty good at it. And uh, I learned that, you know, in church, every answer is Jesus. In Quiz Bowl, every answer is either Al Gore or Abraham Lincoln. And so like if I just said those two, it was usually right. And I just I was getting so fired up about history. and, And that's what I want for us when it comes to the Bible. I pray that this challenge gets you fired up about it. Hey, Pastor Blake, you know, I'm already a month ahead. I'm in March. Where are you at? You know, I I want us to rib one another in that way. But I don't want you to feel like you're less than as a Christian if you don't do this or you fall short. And I don't want you to feel puffed up and better than anybody if you do make it. it. That's not the goal of it. Our goal is given to us by the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul says this. He says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Because I have been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. I pray that there's a pursuit in your heart. You're pursuing that Christ likeness. And that's the whole goal behind this challenge. That's the goal behind every January when I'm trying to lead you to become people who are pursuing after Christ this is not about your righteousness. There's not a section in heaven for people who have read the Bible and people who have not. Uh, Our righteousness is based upon Jesus Christ. What he has done for us, the penalty that he has paid on our behalf. But friends, once you've experienced Jesus and you've been born again, there should be a hunger that is deep in your heart to want to become more like him. And I pray that if you've fallen away, or maybe you've never truly pursued Jesus, that 2023 would be the year that you came back or you began to pursue after him with all of your heart. Now, if the band wants to go ahead and come up, I'll close. But what we're going to do is you should have one of these sheets and I'm going to give you a head start. We're going to check off one of these together. Uh, The last one is Psalm 6 and Psalm 146. So we're going to read this together. If you have a Bible, pull it out. If you don't have a Bible, pull out one of the Bibles in front of you. And if you don't want to do that, just pretend like you're doing it so I don't get sad. (laughs) We'll start with Psalm 6. Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. You just open it up and you'll be there. Psalm 6. The <laughs> that probably helps, doesn't it? I'm getting blinded by light, so... <laughs> psalm 6. For the choir director, with stringed instruments according to Shimei, a psalm of David. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaken with terror, and you, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, rescue me. Save me because of your faithful love, for there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you in Sheol? I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all evildoers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea for help. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and shake with terror. They will turn back and suddenly be disgraced. That's Psalm 6. Now Psalm 146 at the end of the Psalms. Psalm 146 verse 1. Hallelujah. My soul praises the Lord. I will praise the Lord all of my life. I will sing to my God as long as I live. Do not trust in nobles and a son of man who cannot save. When his breath leaves him, he returns to the ground. On that day, his plans die. Happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful, executing justice for the exploited and giving food to the hungry. The Lord frees prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the resident aliens and helps the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Zion, your God, reigns for all generations. Hallelujah. Now, praise God, you can check off one of the marks. You only got 182 readings left. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the way that you love us. God, thank you that you accept us however we come to you, but you love us too much to let us stay that way. God, you want us to grow in Christ's likeness. I pray that the Spirit of God would increase in us and that ourselves would be crucified. There'd be less Blake and more Jesus in me. I pray that for everybody. If you guys would, with your eyes closed, head bowed, take about 20 seconds and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? With your eyes closed, head bowed, I just—I want to know how to pray for you. If you say, Blake, that first challenge was for me. I want to go all in this year. I want to try to be more consistent with the people of God. Would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. The second challenge was the Team 60 challenge. If you say, Blake, I want to stretch my generosity, stretch my faith and money, and give to the work of God, you'd say, this year is the year I want to do that. Would you raise your hand? And finally... If you're going to join me with the Bible reading challenge this year, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? Amen. God, I pray for this. We would be a world-changing group if we all let your word transform us. I pray that everybody who raised their hand would be successful as they seek after you. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen. And if you would, you go ahead and stand and we'll sing together.